Stoppelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. Or call the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios, it's The Rush with Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Texas is back. There's, there's no denying that. But they will be under way more pressure now that they're in the SEC and now that they broke through in remarkable fashion last year. Now, Quinn Ewers is back. Now, he headlines all the returning players. And if you look at just where he was two years ago to where he was last year, going from 58% completion to 69% completion, he's really close to proving that he is a championship-caliber quarterback. No doubt about it. Replacing the middle of that defense will be something that will be challenging for the defensive coordinator, Pete Kwiatkowski, and for Steve Sarkeesian as he tries to match and exceed what he accomplished in a breakthrough year of 2023. There is Greg McElroy talking about University of Oklahoma first season into the SEC next year and uh, the grind that Oklahoma is going to have to face. It's true. It's going to be a tougher season. Going to be, you know, uh, not I guess not start to finish, but um, you're going to have much more difficult games throughout. I don't think there's any denying that, but. That didn't have to be a negative, by the way. And when everyone I says that, yeah, when everyone says that, it's like with a, and I'm probably guilty of it too, it's, it's more with a negative tone. From a fan perspective, this year is going to be a whole lot more exciting, like opponent-wise, than it's been in a while. And who has to say that OU just cowers down to the better competition? I know everyone nationally thinks that's going to be the case, but you know what? OU is allowed. They are allowed to rise to the occasion yeah. and have a really good season this year and make the college football playoff. That's right. I know most won't believe that, especially outside of the state of Oklahoma, but it is indeed allowed to happen. It can. That's right. And, you know, I said this quite a bit, and I fully believe it. I think that Oklahoma has, you know, to some degree been sleepwalking for the last you know, I, I don't know, go, go as far back as you, as you want, really. Been sleepwalking in the Big 12 as, you know, the, the team that comes to town that everyone's gunning for over and over and over. And yeah, it's just the role of, of you know, of, of what they've played has just kind of lulled them to sleep to where you play down to your opponent, you – you, you let them have a, a, a couple of opportunities to stick around in games, and then you never know what happens at the end. And we've come up on the short end of those the last couple of years on some of them. And I think a, a different mindset, a, a conference change, the challenge that's right there waiting on you and what the season holds, I think it just changes the – it should change the entire demeanor of the program, of the team, of like how you carry yourselves on a on a week in, week out basis, and I think that stuff matters. I think we've 
just kind of been sleepwalking. Sleepwalking, and uh, the fans have been half asleep watching the game since yeah. they started at uh, 11 a.m. By the way, OU women's basketball just tipped off, so uh, we'll keep you updated on that one. They're at Cincinnati. 11.5-point favorites are the Sooners. Right. And they're a six seed today in bracketology. So okay. when, we, when we did the deal or no deal for OU men's hoops as an eight seed, we were like, yes, where's that button? We can't press that button fast enough. Can we please? We'll, we'll do the deal. Or, or maybe right. maybe that was the no deal on that game. Whatever. We'll take the deal on the eight seed for men's hoops. I would not take that deal for the six seed for women's hoops. No. They have kind of been – like their their ranking and their seeding has been trailing how they've been playing as as a team for a, a decent little portion now, hadn't it? I mean, they came up short Saturday at West Virginia. That was a pretty amazing game, actually, and it got yeah. interesting at the end. But they still have a one game lead in the Big Twelve race. Um, they get Texas at home. I think that's their toughest game left. But they win that one, then they're probably going to outright win the conference this year. Just pretty right. amazing after starting seven and five the season. Yeah, well, there's five top twenty-five teams in the conference, and right now they've got a one-game lead in the conference, and they're number twenty-three in the top twenty-five. And you know I, that that stretch in December has been held against them for for quite some time. But you know, I. I'm kind of with you. I, I don't think I would take it. You got to feel like, especially if they can end up claiming the regular season conference championship and then do something, you know, I don't know, make it to the the final of the conference tournament. They probably should be a four seed or higher. Yeah, I was thinking they? about four seed. Yeah, maybe three seed if they like went out. You know. Yeah, but I, I would not take a, a six seed. I think they'll be a, a better seed than that. Um, we were talking about Texas just a minute ago. Sark is now a top three coach in terms of how much money he's making. Yeah, they doubled his salary essentially. Now he's number three on highest paid head coaches in college football. Saban's out of the game, so that cleared a spot as well. But Dabo is making more than any coach in college football right now at eleven and a half million dollars. Dabo's at number one. Kirby Smart's at two at 10.7. Sark is at three at 10.3. Ryan Day right behind that at Ohio State at 10.2. Then you've got DeBoer, Muleshoe, and Mike Norvell all tied at 10 million. Brian Kelly's at 9.9. And then Kiffin, Dorkwitz, Heupel, and Mark Stoops are all making $9 million a year to round out the top 10. Who's massively overpaid in that group for how much they're making? Uh, Missouri's head coach. You're telling me he makes nine-something million a year? Correct, yes. Oof. Yeah, he's overpaid. What about Muleshoe at $10 million a year? And that's an estimate. I don't think they have yeah, to release that. Yeah, I think he's that. higher than that. But, yeah, he's probably – he's not south of that. If anything, he's a he's a bit yeah. north of 10 mil. Yeah. Um, uh probably so like he's got to prove it year if if they don't if they don't do something this year then i think there's going to be a lot of people singing that tune i think some are probably already singing it right now and if if they would have lost the bowl game against louisville it would have been it would have been a yes. really tough off season for that guy if they yep. if they didn't beat louisville 
Yep, Luckily right. for him, they did. They looked good on offensively doing it, but he really dodged a bullet with that one. Yeah, well, I, I we talked about that. I think that the fact that they won that game absolutely saved his tail from that fan base and those former players from caving in on that program. He bought a little bit of time, especially with how the offense looked. Um you know, so I, it's not going to take long. Don't they have a real tough opener? Who do they open with? LSU year? in uh, Vegas is who they open yeah. with. Tough opener for them. And, you know, I don't know what LSU is going to look like at that point in the year. I mean, that's a that's like a crapshoot with, with LSU. But like, if they can't win that game or, I mean, at least look strong, then I think they're going to start coming out pretty early against him. Yeah. Uh, a big story in college football today. We've already changed the structure of the 12-team playoff, yet we haven't played a game in the 12-team playoff just yet. Like Essentially what they did, the short version of it today, is they made it to where the winner of the Pac-12 will not get an automatic bid to the 12-team playoff next year. And, and that's not a huge surprise. It felt like that was always going to happen. So your four highest – like. Essentially, what's going to happen here most years, your winner of the SEC, the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Big 12 will get a first-round bye. Mm-hmm. Then you'll have the highest-ranked non-Power 5 team that makes it in, and I guess the other seven teams will be chosen by a committee. That's, that's how that's going to work. Yeah. And when I think about it that way, is that – is that what's most beneficial to OU? I know we keep talking about how OU's lost the benefit of the doubt nationally, and I do think that that's fair. But will they gain it back a bit if they're in the conversation just purely based on which what conference that they're in? I just wonder how they're going to weigh SEC teams versus other conference teams like for those final few spots. Yeah, I, I got a good idea how they're going to, but... How that works out the first few years is still going to be interesting. Yeah, it, and I think it's a lot of it's going to depend on your schedule. If Oklahoma is ranked in the top ten or close to it, like right there near the top ten, I say near the top ten. I, mean, I, I guess whenever you're 11 or 12, you just you never know how it's all going to unfold and who the automatic qualifiers are going to be. But my guess is, like, if you're there near the top 10 and you're in the SEC, if you're inside the top 12, I don't think you'll get bumped if you're the SEC. I think you could get bumped for, you know, if you are a, you know, ACC or maybe the second or third place Big 12 team, but – I, if you're right there in your SEC team, and especially Oklahoma, who may play five top 25 teams next season, I don't think – I think you'll get the benefit of the doubt. And I think you should, too, if you're playing a, a yeah. tougher schedule. And I know this, some of the other conferences are going to be upset with it because I, I'm sure what's going to happen is, like, now, well, if you're, real, if you're the 13 team and you don't make the playoff, can you really be all that upset? I don't know, but the 13 and 14 teams will be upset depending on what happens because well, it, I, I bet there's going to be a scenario, Teddy, where there might be a 9-3 and three SEC team 
a 10 and 2 Big 12 team or maybe a 10 and 2 ACC team for that final spot. And I won't right. be shocked like if the SEC team has a much more difficult schedule if they get in over the two 10 win Big 12 and ACC teams. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Um if you're the 13th team, do you really have any room to be upset? Well, it depends. There's a chance that, hell yeah, you got a uh, reason to be upset. It just depends on who's let in over you, right? If you're, if there's a eight and four Texas A&M team that gets in over a 10 and two non-conference winner in the Big Ten, I, does the 10 and two team have a right to be upset that an eight and four SEC team is getting in in front of them? Well, yeah. I think they do. So I know that's like the easy conversation conversation just to dismiss it, but, I mean, we just got to wait and see how all of those things play out, right? Dash from Nashville says, why does there have to be a committee just take the top 12 teams? Well, then I guess I would ask back, how, how do you decide who well, the top 12 teams are if not a committee? Yeah, they don't, it's, they don't go off the top 12 off of the BCS uh, formula. Like if there was a BCS formula and you take the top twelve, I I think everyone would be one hundred percent fine with that. But the committee is is there to, in case the BCS formula were to knock out someone who thinks the committee thinks would rate well or for whatever reason, then that's why you have a human committee. I mean, we had a BCS formula twenty five years ago. Right. And everyone was I mean, you no one I guess people have never been a hundred percent happy with it, but did pretty good, right? Yeah, I mean there was there was some drama in two thousand, two thousand three, two thousand four, two thousand seven, to just name a few. But it's a point that I brought up to, to Parker is that have we ever had a system in college football in like the modern era? where all of us college football fans look at each other and say, yeah, this is a pretty good way. Like, th- this is the best way to determine who our national champion is. So, no. Some more than others, but I don't think that we've ever had that system in the sports where we all yeah. just – and that's why it's changed so much over the years. Yeah, it's just such a – it's just such a weird how it's all laid out and the conferences and how many teams there are. The whole thing is just weird, and – they let it they let it go for so long before they ever even start to attempt any type of playoff that at that point anything you did that messed up the like the the pecking order of things was going to piss off a, a bunch of people but i'd say now we're closer than we've ever been but you know you still have i mean i i guess you could probably do it with a bcs formula but I mean, I think the like the main thing is there's such a wide range of skill between like a a a, a top ten or top twelve. Let's say Oklahoma next year is number ten, or let's say we're number twelve, and or we're number thirteen. We play five top twenty-five teams. You know, we play at LSU, at Auburn. Uh, at Ole Miss, you know, you've you've got uh, a Power Five team in your in your non-con in Houston. Uh, 
you you check a lot of those boxes and you're right there on the fringe but then there's a 11 and 1 a Boise stay or like whoever you want to throw into the mix there that like who knows what what a formula might say like you would hope the committee says no actually Whenever sure. you look at what this team has gone through, they're more deserving. And that's there. why that kind of settles the, the debate. The more I thought about it, it's like just bringing back the BCS sounds fun, and it may be even better overall. But for OU's mm-hmm. sake, in the conference that they're in, it's probably better that a committee is still around because they're probably get, you know they're going to get a little bit more credit in some of these other conferences. Well, they're because the the SEC bias still exists at least for the time being. The bias is still there that the SEC is the best conference, and you know the the committee. You know that bias is there. I'm sure whether they admit to it or not. With them, the the computer has no bias, so you don't get the benefit of that. But also, you know, you can you can get the bias the other way if if there's like an incredible special player on a team that didn't play anyone, but all of a sudden everyone really wants to watch this player, like that bias will show up with the committee and they would vote someone like that in whenever uh, a non-biased formula on a computer probably wouldn't. Or the Russians would hack the BCS computers. Yeah. Put the wrong teams in. You really want our country to descend into civil war, <laughs> mess with the BCS rankings, hack the system. Put a 6-6 six and six USC team in the playoffs. That's, that's, that's what will do it. <laughs> Drew from Flower Mound says, What up, boys? Finn ahead to Dallas to watch OU take on DBU. Hopefully we can build on what we did in Arlington this last weekend. Have nice. a nice time, Drew. Have a very nice time. Uh, one more from the 405 before we hit a break. Can you guys please name the song that just played? That is Drinks After Work by Toby Keith. We've started to play that every single uh, day at 5 p.m. There you go. To, uh, to honor Toby. They didn't play Red Solo Cup at the basketball game Saturday against Kansas. I hope they would. But that was just for the OSU game. Hmm. That's interesting. In fact, I don't remember if I heard a Toby Keith song at all Yeah, against Kansas. Huh. Maybe I missed it. We needed a, we needed a second half rally song. Uh, for sure. All right, quick time out. More from the rush coming up. Hanging out, Bob Moore Nissan. 0% for 72 months, all month long here. Uh, 0% on the all new Nissan Arius here. 2.9% on the Rogues and 0% on all Nissan Titan trucks in stock. We'll be back. Talking sooner football is what we do. This is the ref. More than 600,000 Oklahomans have disabilities. We can't afford to leave great employees behind just because they do things differently. Who we are and what we accomplish are much more important. Hire an Oklahoman with a disability and gain dependence. OU baseball tonight, 6 o'clock pregame for OU and Dallas Baptist, 6.30, first pitch. You can catch that. 1400 AM, 99.3 FM, or the KREF app, OU baseball Tonight on The Ref. Uh, let's get to a few texts here. Guy from Parts Unknown says, The committee, in theory, is as good as any system we've had, but it needs respected football minds. Yeah. Mostly like, what, ADs now, essentially? Yeah, but here's the thing. You know, ADs, 
don't have a whole lot of time to really watch all of these games and watch all of the teams, you know. I, I mean, I just think about Feels like it's Joe probably C. a cram session for those guys towards the end of the year, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I, and what? And the problem with that for me is, like the whole. I, I think the whole resume is probably taken into account, but I think it's pretty obvious what you do towards the end of the year is, I think, weighed more heavily than what you do at the beginning of the year. At least yeah. I feel that way. Yeah, I don't know. I. It really doesn't matter. It only matters in a handful of situations. You just hope that. That, like, that you're not one of the teams that gets uh, the short end of the stick, I guess. But I don't know. I mean, I, I would I would be all for the – well, I don't know if I'd be all for it, but the committee is fine as long as they just put it together. Like, I, I don't know. How many people do you actually need? Like, is there is there too many – too many uh, cooks in the kitchen. I mean, maybe just a handful of guys that can make the the conversation or take have the conversation and, and come to a a conclusion. I mean, you're usually talking about really one, maybe two real situations that matter. Oh yeah, I mean, and then even in some cases, depending on who the they're talking about, some guy might have to leave the room so they yeah. can talk about that particular team. But, yeah, I think most years the 14 playoff kind of took care of itself and you didn't really need a committee. It's just last year was just such a – felt like such a disaster. I think that's why people are up in arms so much about the committee. Were people yeah. complaining about the committee all that much before last year? Maybe so. I, I don't remember a whole uh, lot of it, though. I Well, I don't think uh, – there hasn't been a whole lot of real difficult decisions um, – you know, outside of what that first year, whenever first you year had in the Baylor last and year. TCU, yeah, and then last year when they left Florida State out, you know, it's and I don't know what last year there was a lot of people mad at the committee, but I don't know did the committee necessarily get it wrong? If the committee would have put Florida State in, well, then there was probably going to be more people upset that they put them in than there was that left them out. You know, I, they did I get blasted was... in the Orange Bowl. Now a lot of those players opted out because it was the Orange Bowl. But yeah, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't think Florida State was going to win a semifinal game. I don't think that they were going to be competitive. And the two semifinal games you had last year were both really good games. That was probably right. the best like collection of semifinal games that we've had during the entire experiment with the four team playoff. Right. No, that's right. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, last year. You could you could you could blast them, or you could say they made the right pick. But I, it was one of those where it was pretty much it was fifty fifty. There was either you're either on the side of they're undefeated, they earned the right, or you're on the side of well they don't have their best player, they didn't really play anyone all that difficult, put the best team in. And I don't know that you were ever going to sway any of those people that were dug dug into that side. So I just that's what I'm saying. Like people were mad at the committee last year, but they were going to be mad no matter what they did. Yeah, four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We will definitely take some more text before we get out of here. We are going to replay that six minute interview we had with uh, with JFA coming up next segment with Jackson Arnold, which is a lot of fun. 
But before we do that, I'm going to read you a story of a recruiting trip from an NFL great, okay? You have to determine which NFL great this is. Now, the school that he visited here, he did not go to Clemson, but he had a heck of a time on his Clemson visit, okay? Here's the story. You tell me which NFL great this is. Quote, my Clemson visit, I went absolutely ham at. I lost my phone. I remember going back to wherever we were going back to sleep, and the guy that was hosting me, I mean, I don't even think I saw him since, but bless them for even hosting me that weekend. I mean, they probably thought I was the biggest idiot of all time, which was true. And at that time, I sure was. We were going ham. I was on a stage, jumping up and down, dancing, partying, doing all that good stuff at Clemson. Uh, Let's see. Let me go down to, I get a voicemail in my messages after I committed to blank. So I must have given out my number a couple of times that night. I don't remember. I was having too good of a time. I was drinking all the water they've got down there in Clemson. It was great water. And I listened to it, and it's some girl that goes to Clemson. And it's like, hey, blank, I saw you committed to the University of blank. I'm going to tell you this right now. You absolutely messed your decision up. We were all waiting for you down here in Clemson. Well, you have a good life. We're going to miss you. Which NFL grade is that? It's Gronkowski. It's Gronk. <laughs> That's Gronk did not go to Clemson. He went to Arizona instead, and it worked out for him. But sounds like he got his money's worth on the Clemson visit. Good for him. Well, I'm just shocked that he didn't get calls from every place. He, I mean, how many visits did he take? Was that not know. the case? It, I would. I was under the impression that that was probably what happened every single place that he went. <laughs> Even took a few unofficials to uh, Corpus Christi, Texas A&M Corpus Christi, around spring break. Yeah, why not? Yeah, uh, what is FIU? Is that the one that's in Fort Lauderdale? FIU, I think, is in. Uh, oh, that's yes. like Boca Raton. Or, or no, FAU's in Boca. I think yeah. FIU's in like is Miami Gardens. Is that okay. maybe that's? Well, um, yeah, I'm sure he has. Like all kinds of crazy stories, and hey, you know what? Good for Gronk. I think uh, I think everyone probably dreamed of being able to party like an absolute animal, oh, man, and still be the best player on the field uh, every time you went out there all uh, through. College. How many visits did you end up taking, officials? One, just the one. If you could go back and do it again, pick three visits you would take. You don't have to change your, your overall decision. You go back and take three visits. Where are they at? Um, Pre-social Alabama, media area. Alabama. Um, you know, I'm kind of viewing it through, like, today's lens, which maybe yeah, That's why not. I was questioning Alabama. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Um, maybe that's not the, but it was still cool. Whenever we went down there and played, I was like, yeah, this is, this is legit. Um, problem, I, maybe Tennessee. Really? I thought Arizona state for sure would, would make the list by now. No, 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 no. There's gotta be, I, those places are, are big party schools. Sure. But you want, you want to go places that take football serious. Well, you're not going to change your decision. You don't. You don't need to worry about anything serious if you're just going to go back in time and take three other visits. 
You're just saying, like, strictly for... Yeah, just to have a good time like Gronk did. That's how I'm viewing it. Oh. Wisconsin. Wisconsin and... Man, you know, I had so many people, especially during college, tell me that Iowa was wow, okay. a huge party Never school. been to Iowa City. Yeah. Supposedly, Iowa was a huge party school. So, so Wisconsin, Iowa, and Bacon would be your three OVs <laughs> you would take. Sure. Sure. That would be fine. All right. Quick timeout. More from the rush coming up here from Bob Moore Nissan. Stay with us. Talking Sooner football is what we do. This is the Red. Layman fun interview yesterday, in case you missed it. Jackson. Arnold joined the show. Surprisingly, we had no idea. He just walked up. He joined the show. We got to talk to him for a little over six minutes. Here's the interview yesterday with Jackson. About this for an unexpected surprise. Jackson Arnold, QB1 himself, now joins us. Um, what are you doing up here, man? It's good to see you. How's the offseason been going? How's winter workouts? They've been good, yeah. We start up coaching stations tomorrow, so it'll be a lot of oh, fun. Oh, that'll be fun. See, see if you guys are in shape or not, right? <laughs> see what they've uh, – They've designed for you guys. Oh, yeah. Well, that's – tell us what you thought about kind of the transition there. I know it was uh, whenever you went into the bowl game, you had the regular season stuff, you go into the bowl game. There's a little bit of time maybe uh, with with some new coaches there, Latrell and uh, Coach Joe John Finley. I know you probably didn't change a lot, maybe didn't change anything. And how was that transition for you, though, going from Lebby as the coach – quarterback coach there and then and then dealing with some new guys yeah it was definitely uh weird at first um just having to switch coaches yeah. for like three weeks but um i was i was already close with uh coach finley and coach the trail um so the, the transition from them to stepping in and taking over wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't uh awkward for me or uncomfortable or anything we we all bonded and, and gelled quickly and um you know, obviously the bowl game was, wasn't what we hoped it to be, but I mean, I think we're going we're to go hard this offseason and get after it. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about spring football, kind of previewing it and talking about every position on the team. And when we look at wide receiver, man, got a lot coming back. Well, you know, Drake was a first team All Big 12 player, and I'm sure he'll be missed, but you got a guy like Deion Burks coming in, Nick Anderson coming back. Just how are you feeling right now, and what's your connection like with some of those wide receivers? Uh, I feel great. We've been throwing a lot of these past couple of weeks. I'm getting used to throwing to some of these new guys, whether it's it's Dion or, or transfers or even the new freshmen coming in, just getting used and getting acclimated to everybody. And, um, and the same with the O-linemen, too. All the new guys we got coming in, it's, it's been crucial these past couple of weeks to kind of meet them and, and know them on a personal level and, and kind of bond with them and start to get things rolling before spring ball starts up in a couple of weeks. Tell us a little more about Dion Burks. I mean, all, all we really know is, I guess, what we can see a little bit from from some of their games this past season. But what's he like in the locker room? How's he? How's he? You know, getting along with the offense? He's a great dude, uh, full of energy. I'm always smiling, and he's working hard. You know, we had a we had competitions this morning. You can tell he's just working his butt off. He loves to be here. He loves to play the game. Um, he loves to grind, and um, I've been super impressed with him so far. Gavin Sawchuk had a really nice end of the season. A year ago, you've got some newcomers coming in at running back, Taylor Tatum, Sam Franklin as well. What, what, what have you seen for the running back so far? Because kind of like wide receiver, like there's just a lot of bodies at yeah, that spot, right, and yeah. it feels like there's a lot of talent there yeah, as, as well. To last year, it's a lot more bodies. I mean, we brought in three new guys 
Um, Taylor is not up here yet, but um, Sam and X are up here right now, and it's a lot of bodies. It's a well-rounded group. Like you got some some big guys. Like X is a really big guy, and you got super fast guys like Sam, Sawchuck, Javante, and, and all these guys are they're all getting reps. They're all looking good right now. We're not we're not doing anything uh, team related right now, so I'm not seeing them in their their full yeah. potential or their their element right now. But um, it's a well-rounded group right now, and I'm I'm impressed so far. So what about for you? You know, you you got. Got to see some action last year as a freshman. What are some of the takeaways from that season and what you need to work on and develop leading into spring really to, to take your game to the next level? Yeah, regardless of um, the outcomes of the games or my performances last year, I'm really grateful for the opportunities I was given. Um, I think it's big for me being uh, at the age I am and in the position I am right now to have those game reps and kind of get that beneath me, you know, have that, that one bad game and kind of flush it flush it away and, um, and learn from it, um, whether it's being more decisive in my game or, or playing faster or pushing the tempo of our offense or just being a leader in general. There's all things I need to work on this offseason. I think, you know, playing, those game, playing in that game and having those reps was huge for me. Hey, this isn't Jackson's first time on yeah. the ref. Yeah, he's pretty he, good. he was coming by the pregame shows uh, his, his senior year. I think he had a ref hat on <laughs> the last time that he was on with us, man. I, I did want to ask you about uh, Brennan Thompson as well. Um, there was a list that came out of the 10 fastest players in college football. He was not on there. I have no idea how he wasn't on there. I think he should probably be number one. Yeah, I, but I you, you know that there's a play where he's running a go route, and that's probably going to be your option there. Yeah. What, what's the thought process of just throwing it downfield to Brennan Thompson because you know he's going to be open? Just just throw it as po- far as possibly yeah, I can. I mean, that actually surprises me that you say he wasn't on that list. Like That's that's genuinely the fastest guy I've seen in person by far. Um, and whenever we're talking about, you know, whether it was bowl game practice, you know, we had that, we had the uh, the touchdown play to Brandon in game and all week and I guess I guess the couple weeks before when we were uh, practicing bowl practice, he's close to trails. He goes throw that thing as far as you can, <laughs> throw it with some air and let Brandon run under it. And sure enough, sure enough, it came to fruition. But yeah, that's that's one of the fastest dudes I've been around. Um, shocks me he wasn't on that list. Same here. Yeah. Well. Um, he'll be there eventually. If, after you guys hook up a couple of times next season, I think he'll make his way onto the list. Tell I think some- Brennan commented on it, too. He was like, really? I wasn't top 10 on this list? Okay, I got gotcha. you. Uh, tell us about the offensive line. I mean, obviously that's going to be key for the offensive success and, and for you. Uh, going to be replacing some guys. Now, it feels like there's a really good mix of, of young guys that are developing and coming up and you know some transfer portal additions. And some guys that were that were there from last year's uh, offensive line. It's a, it's a really a big mix. What do you think of that group, and what's going to be important for them as they head into spring ball? Um, I mean, if you look at it on paper, like we've got a really really good squad, um, a lot of potential on the O line, and I think the biggest thing for them is just kind of getting in the playbook, understanding everything, understanding how Coach B coaches, and and how they can learn from him, and just just gelling with each other. You know, like I've. The O-line is probably the closest group out of any position group uh, in our locker room, in my opinion. Those guys are, They always are. They're a bunch I, of weirdos. I know. <laughs> Every team's got That's a weird offense. I mean, I love them. They're, they're awesome. It's Whether well, it could be 530 in the morning, they're they're cutting up and laughing in the locker room, which blows my mind that it's it's that early and they're doing that. But they, for them, it's just getting comfortable with each other, getting used to being around each other and, and playing with each other and ultimately learning the playbook. 
There you go. Jackson yeah. Arnold, man. Appreciate you stopping by. Yes, sir. No problem. It's good to see you. Good luck this, uh, this offseason, man. It's going to be fun. Sooner Football Talk lives here.